Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host, Jason Davis. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Twitter at underscore Beyond the Lines, and on TikTok at Beyond the Lines Podcast. If you have any show ideas or if you have questions and comments, you can email me at btlpodcast213 at gmail.com. This episode is sponsored by Samify Crafts. If you're looking for that unique and special gift for a birthday, holiday, wedding, or any other event, go to SamifyCraftShop.com. They're your one-stop shop for all your gift needs. They specialize in custom gifts at an affordable price. Not only will you find great gift ideas on SamifyCraftShop.com, you'll find all of your Beyond the Lines podcast sweatpants, long-sleeve shirts, hoodies, backpacks, and water bottles. So go to SamifyCraftShop.com to order your merchandise and gifts. You can also follow them on Facebook at Samify Crafts. This is episode number 54, and today I will be discussing dealing with tragedy and loss. So now, let's meet this episode's guest. So my guest today is no stranger to the show. She's the owner of Cohesive Counseling Associates in Charlotte. She's also the author of several books, including Blessed Passenger and Your Invitation to Self-Care. Dr. Tate Screws, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me once again. Thank you for being back. So today we're going to talk about something a little bit different than what we normally talk about. We're going to talk about dealing with tragedy and loss. As we all know, about a month or so ago, actually more like five weeks ago, there was two tragedies at the University of Virginia and the University of Idaho. And so we want to talk about that a little bit and how those particular tragedies affect not only Americans in general, but more so youth or young people and how they deal with that and how they cope with that, considering those incidents happen on college campuses, uh, you know, it's affecting young kids. Uh, We want to talk about that and see how they deal with that. So I'm glad to have you on to be able to discuss that. Yeah, grief is one of those things that we all go through, but we don't really know how to talk about or how to process it or Honestly, it could be different for all of us. So yeah, I think this is an exciting and tragic at the same time topic to discuss today. Absolutely. And and you mentioned grief. And so before we kind of really get into those incidents, how many stages of grief are there and what are those stages? Well, depending what source you're looking at, there's like a core four or five stages. Sometimes you'll see people say seven, but generally speaking, there's a stage of denial there's a stage of shock and kind of awe, there's a stage of guilt, there's a stage of depression, loneliness, sadness, and then the quote unquote final stage being acceptance. And I say quote unquote because they're not necessarily sequential. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, step one, check, move on to step two. It really is kind of a varied process for everyone. And you can find over any stretch of time after a significant loss, you can kind of bounce through all of them. On Monday, you feel all five. (laughs) On Tuesday, you may only feel one. That one may last for six months. It's typical to see people get stuck in stages of anger or stuck in stages of sadness or 
however one kind of lands in that process. But those are the typical stages that we see in the grief process. Okay. And like I said, we're going to talk about both of those incidents. But first, I want to start with the University of Virginia incident. And that incident involved three high-profile students who were athletes. And obviously, because they were athletes, they were more well-known across the college campus. And and so did this case reach so many people across the University of Virginia community, being that so many were affected by that because they were so well-known because they played football. How does the university handle that grieving process on such a wide scale? So there's going to be a process in which... Because they were high-profile athletes, there are some people who felt like they know them, whether they physically actually knew them or not, Mm -hmm. right? So it affects us on a small scale, like I knew you personally. I had a personal touch, personal relationship, personal interaction with you. You were in my classroom. You were in my dorm room. You lived on my floor. Those are the intimate personal touches. Mm -hmm. Then you can imagine just taking one step out where I didn't know you personally, but I saw you and I saw you perform and you're a friend of a friend, so to speak. Then you take another step out. It's like, oh, you're a UVA student. You lived in my building, didn't know who you were, but that hits too close to home. Like that was right outside or that was right on campus, mm-hmm. then it touches the larger community. So it's it's almost like this trickle effect, um, like a ripple that starts at the beginning, very close and personal, and then ripples outwards. I've even seen coaches who don't know these students at all, but they are coaches and they imagine sending their high school kids off to college and then hearing such tragic news. And it, again, it hits too close to home. It feels very personal. So as far as a university perspective of handling this issue, generally after a sentinel, that's what we call a sentinel event on a campus or community like that, it could take up to a year or greater for that essence or that energy to kind of dissipate. Gotcha. Yeah. It's one of those things that'll have an anniversary impact. Those students and those players that still you know, imagine playing with them and, you know, maybe players that had to step into new positions. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just has a lasting impact. It's something that will really continue to play out over years. Yeah, I agree. And in situations like this, there's always grief counselors, therapists, psychologists, et cetera, that's available for those who need help coping with this tragedy. Talk a little bit about what goes into those services, how accessible those services are, and how do counselors and therapists handle the seemingly overwhelming need for counseling when you're talking about a large-scale need for situations like this? So grief counseling is very personal. You can certainly do some grief counseling sessions, support group type things, and have like an organized curriculum where people are able to come and just process their grief through the organized curriculum. That's probably a good way to hit larger numbers as opposed to one-on-one individual counseling. I can imagine that individual counselors might start to feel overwhelmed with caseloads stacking up at the university level. Mm -hmm. In that respect, if I were a part of the university, I would also look into community counselors as well to assist and partner with and to maybe start funneling out the referrals to the outside community so that the students get the help that they need. And from a a sports perspective, we know that athletes have a routine. They're hyper-focused on their task at hand. How does an athlete 
continue to move forward in their sport when a tragedy happens, not only as a student of the university, but also a very close friend and a teammate that they've lost? It's tough. It's really difficult. I would say it always comes down to taking care of, for me, coming down to taking care of your physical self, making sure that you are well-nourished, getting enough rest, getting all the proper nutrition that your body needs, just the number one to be able to perform. Because grief is exhausting. It starts out as like an emotional loss or emotional grief that we have, but it begins to take a physical toll on our body. And we see that loss of appetite, lack of sleep, and and just a, a low energy in general, low morale, low motivation. And so those things tend to, to sit at least in the very early aftermath of hearing of a significant loss like this. So first, just making sure they're taking care of their physical self. Athletes tend to be resilient. They're coached to be resilient and to persevere through adversity. Yes. And they have community and camaraderie within the team network. And so I think sometimes in in these situations, athletes can be very, um, very resilient and they can persevere through these situations by bonding with each other. It's like they have an inner working group and an inner working energy that they can use to fuel themselves beyond the initial stages of grief. Mm-hmm. With that said, for some athletes and for some people, that may not be enough to withstand the length of grief. I always describe grief as a marathon. It is not a sprint. It's not a, oh, I got through the race. It's something that has a lasting impact for time to come. And so I think it Whereas it can be really motivating in the short term, like I'm going to do this for my partner, or I'm going to do this for my homeboy, or I'm going to do this for my team. We got to pull together. In the long run, you also have to make sure that you're taking care of your individual self and the feelings that you have about that loss. Absolutely. So when we talk about dealing with grief, and you mentioned it earlier, there comes a point when you kind of move forward and it does take time. And so... When you look at the university, and and again, we look at these athletes, there's football. There's football games to be played. And so in the wake of the shooting, the university canceled the two remaining games on the schedule. Now, some people thought those games should have been played in honor of the athletes. Some people felt that the decision to cancel those games were correct. So with the thought of getting through this, not only the players and the team, but the university in general... Do you feel that the decision to cancel those final two games were correct in terms of trying to help people get through and deal with what happened? I think the university took a very forward-moving step at putting the emotional health of the students and athletes above the physical kind of attention that college sports usually gets. Absolutely. A whole other discussion about college athletes and advertising and all of that stuff. But I think this was a very forward moving step. We have seen recently, you and I have previously talked about, you know, Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles really prioritizing their mental health over performance. And so I think this echoes that. Absolutely. I, I, I really was surprised, to be perfectly honest. I'm very surprised. And we can make an argument for on both sides of the coin. Yes. But 
at the end of the day, I think it was a forward moving decision to prioritize mental health and emotional health of the campus and the university versus pushing forward to finish the two games and finish the season as planned. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to move forward to the University of Idaho case. Now, those students that were killed in that case, they weren't athletes. They were students of the university, but they weren't athletes. So they may not have been as well known as football players were in the Virginia case. So is the grieving process and the coping process the same for the University of Idaho, given that those four students were not as well known? Is the grieving process the same for them as it is in the Virginia case, given that they weren't as well known? In general, I would say the grieving process is similar. It may not have as large as a community impact because they weren't prominent figures of the university, figureheads of the university. But again, that same impact of this hits really close to home. These students are from my university and and can evoke a, a sense of fear or anxiety about the surrounding community. And so I think all of that is the same, I would say still applies. Okay. And being that the University of Idaho case happened, it was just off campus, although mm-hmm. they say it was on campus, it was just off campus. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it affects the university as a whole and the community as a whole. Yeah. Does the grief counselors and therapists focus change or expand being that it was off campus so does it incorporate the community as well whereas say in Virginia case it would more so be centered on the students and faculty and stuff at the at the University of Virginia I would say it still applies to use university counselors as well as community counselors I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about when I went to college and I lived off campus, but it was still very much a college town. Mm -hmm. So very college oriented environment. And so I would say the surrounding community is still heavily affected and that it still carries the same weight as the UVA campus. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier that it's a marathon. It's, It's not a race when it comes to grieving. How often or how long do they offer the services for those who need to cope with these situations? Oh, they definitely need to offer through the end of the school year. And again, I believe it will trickle over into the following school years, but definitely offer the services through the remainder of this school year. Okay. So finally, being that these are two tragic situations, we like to think or believe that places such as the mall, the grocery store, the church, and certainly colleges are safe places for us to go. What advice do you have for parents or even soon-to-be college students will be going off to college in roughly eight months from now in the wake of these two tragedies? It's difficult because, uh, as you mentioned, these very commonplace environments that we all go on a regular basis, grocery store, church, school, it has caused us to be very hypervigilant to our surroundings and be very, um, to put in all these safety precautions, which can certainly induce a sense of anxiety or induce a sense of fear at the end of the day, none of these things are predicted. Mm-hmm. Your day starts out as a normal day, doing the things that you do Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday. And so I think it's really just breaking it down into the very bare bones of how you maintain safety and know your surroundings and listen to the safety protocols. And at the end of the day, if you hear about a conversation or a shooting or you know anything like that, 
that we need to be reminded of these situations that are happening around our country and do the best we can to maintain our own personal safety and the safety of those around us. So if someone needs help coping and dealing with loss and tragedy, who can they call or what website could they go to? Psychology Today is a great uh, website. It is like Facebook for therapists and social workers. So you can pretty much go put in your area code and the local town that you're in or the local city that you're in and uh, different profiles of different therapists, social workers, counselors will come up. They'll tell you their theoretical background, their educational background, or may even be a small video or pictures that describe the office or tell you about their approach. But it's really kind of a good one-stop shopping place to shop around for a therapist and, and make some phone calls for yourself. Okay, great. And how can people follow you and where can they purchase your book? The easiest place to go would be to go to my website. That's drmetate.com, D-R-M-E-T-A-T-E.com. That is one-stop shopping for me. You can connect to my <laughs> social media on Instagram and Facebook, and you can link to the Amazon account that will allow you to purchase my books. Awesome. Well, Dr. Tate Scrooge, you know, it's always great to talk to you about these topics and it's always great to have you on the show. And once again, I'm glad you were able to come on and I'm glad to have you on to talk about this. And I'm sure we'll be talking again at some point in the future. Always a pleasure. I'm happy to help. Thank you again for having me. Thank you for being on. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Tate Scruce for joining the show. So what are the three takeaways from today's episode? Number one, dealing and coping with loss and tragedy is a process. Number two, as an athlete, Look to your teammates and coaches as much as you do your own family. And number three, if you need help dealing with a tragedy or loss, reach out to professionals for help. That concludes episode number 54. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. If you enjoy this podcast, I ask that you subscribe. Please tune in for the next episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>